the faith that we have originates in God. So what God believes is what we believe. And God is, is absolutely satisfied with His sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus. You know, if you, I also ministered this morning or yesterday, I said, if you want to go from here to Hong Kong or from here to Mauritius on the symphony, you know, you, um, when you get onto the boat, they don't ask you what recent swimming lessons you had. Because your trip does not consist in your ability to swim. <laughs> what they look at is as if the boat is seaworthy. Is that ship seaworthy? Does the ship qualify to carry you? Because you are so valuable and your life is so precious. So, the, the, how precious you are is all... That is what that ship is all about. If your life was not precious, if you had no value, it doesn't matter. You know, if, if you go and see, if you look at, at these hoists they have in building, building uh, constructions, there's a certain um, safety thing that's worked in there, safety measure. But the moment they put humans in there, it must be ten times more safe because of the value of a human being. That's why God, when He looked at man in his lost state... He said, let me get something that's so safe. Something that God can rely in and rely on to save man. And he brought the sacrifice of Jesus. That's the boat we are in. <laughs> you know, if you get onto that boat, you, your ability to swim is not brought into consideration. If you're the best Olympic swimmer, long distance swimmer in the world and you're on that boat, I want to tell you, if that boat sinks 150 miles off the South African coast, you're in trouble. Because your ability can never save you. And God knew that our ability cannot save us. Our ability can never make us righteous. That's why He brought a perfect lamb, a perfect sacrifice by which we are perfected forever. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? So our sins has been washed away. The gospel that is preached is the gospel of the perfection of the Lamb. The Bible says and there was a book in heaven that had to be opened, but there was nobody that could break the seal that was worthy to open the book. But there was one that was worthy and it was the Lamb. And that book speaks of opening up salvation unto man. There was only one that was worthy. There was only one that God would entrust with your salvation. He could never entrust you with your own salvation. He could never entrust you to be holy by your own ability. Because you're going to fall sometime. You're going to have a wrong thought sometime. God could never trust human ability. When God made, and I said it before, when God made the heavens and the earth, uh, and, and the Garden of Eden and everything in six days. The Bible says the seventh day he rested. Now, he saw that everything was good and he blessed it. But after he made everything, he rested. That word rest is the Hebrew word Sabbath. Sabbath, to rest. So on this seventh day, God rested from all his work. When God rested, that word rest, there's two wonderful things about that word. God didn't rest because um, he was tired. He rested because what was made was perfected. And nothing more could be done. Not even God could make it better than what it was. God saw perfection in it. And God said, not even I, God, can add anything to it. It is the way God, only God can make it. And therefore, he stopped to work. And he rested. But the wonderful thing about that word rest, if you go and study it in, uh, in the Hebrew pictures, uh, interpreted into the New Testament, it basically said that God's view and opinion, God's mind, rested in the cross, in the sacrifice of Jesus. That's what that Hebrew word interpreted into grace means. God was satisfied and rested in the cross. So God never rested in the perfection of creation. But God rested in the cross. For He knew creation had the ability to fall. 
But the only stable thing ever in the mind of God is the sacrifice of Jesus. The, God rested in the stability of the salvation boat. Not in the ability of creation to stay perfect. And the only thing that could give God peace about His creation was His ability to keep it holy and pure in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that God's, that, that the cross of Jesus and the perfection that came to the human race because of what Jesus has done is God's only reference concerning you. And if we believe and stand in any other point of reference than what God has already accomplished in the cross of Jesus Christ, we are deceived. And I want to tell you these words, to speak these words and to be able to speak these words, only God could make it possible for us to speak these words. It cost the life of God in human form for us to say this. To have these words. Now you might say, but what makes our salvation stable? The fact that God became a human being, came into human form, and today is still a human being, gives us stability in our salvation. Because this is the way it worked. Adam was a human and he died. That human brought us into a place of sin and death. But when Jesus came, he became that human, Adam, the last Adam. And when he died, he died the second death of Adam. The death that Jesus died was the death that man will never relate to God on the basis of works anymore. When he was raised, he was raised by the Holy Spirit in human form, representing us today. As long as what Jesus Christ is a human being and holy and sinless, and your representative, that's how long you will be holy and blameless before God. That's God's faithfulness towards you. Imagine that. Imagine that. The proof of our salvation. We received the Holy Spirit. And one day when Jesus returned, the dead will be raised. We will be changed if we are alive at His coming. The dead will be raised again, receive a glorified body. We will be changed in that moment. The proof of that is the fact that we, that we have a representative in heaven with a glorified body. As long as what he's got a glorified body and I believe in him, I am sure that I will be in my body the way he is at his return. And right now we've got the first fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is the proof of your absolute holiness and acceptance before God. You know, when I preached there, the first session I preached, the guy that testified at the end, one of the guys, he said, oh, he thought this is just a Jesus-only movement. Jesus only. What, let me tell you something. If it's not about Jesus, it's not the gospel. And I want to tell you, the gospel is all about Jesus, and Jesus is all about you. Amen. So everything we talk about Jesus is true in your life. And I want to say the way Francis Toy says this, and I believe it about my own life. I love... And you might say, this is boasting, but listen to what I want to say. I live the most attractive life there is. Every person, rich and poor, desires to have the life I have. It's flooded with the peace of God. It's flooded with the knowledge of the, of the sacrifice of Christ. Because the life I have, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, is the life of Christ. It says, Christ is my life. And I want to tell you, this attractive life belongs to you. You've got it as well. Just awake unto this knowledge and the righteousness of what God has done for you. Even the angels look at you and are astonished at the wisdom of God and the beauty of God that can be portrayed in somebody that was a sinner yesterday and today is declared the righteousness of God. The love of God is not portrayed in God blessing faithful people. The love of God is portrayed in God blessing sinners. Do you know that the Bible says in Luke, Luke so clearly, if you love those that love you, what are you? Because even sinners love those that love them. If you only give to those that give to you, what are you different than a sinner? Because sinners give to people and expect just as much back. He said, but what makes you in the image and in the likeness of God 
is if you can bless those that are not qualified to be blessed. And that's the person of God. So, what God was saying in Luke chapter 6, let's turn there, let's let's read it. Luke chapter 6 from verse 36. Now, I want to tell you, we can preach this gospel without being ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I can preach this in a train. I tell you, I can preach this in a lift. I can preach it on an airplane. Because it's not something I try, it's not a gospel where I try to get people to do something I do. It's a gospel about the truth of their salvation. It's the truth of their life. It's something that is true concerning them. The death of Christ was their death to the law system. It's like if somebody wins the lotto, and you know he won the lotto, and you know your friend had the right number. But he forgot about that because he bought the ticket and never thought about it. But you know that he had that number and he won the lotto. And he's got that ticket. I mean, are you going to be quiet? No, no, there's something true about his prosperity. That you've got knowledge about. And you know, he might say, but why do you want to see me? Why do you want to speak to me? Because, uh, you know, why why do you want to just come to my house and speak to me now? You might might be a little bit uncomfortable, but you know that what you've got to say, once he starts to hear, is going to break through every barrier. Because it's so powerful, because it's all concerning his victory. And that's the gospel we preach. It's the gospel concerning the victory of lost people in Jesus Christ. That when they can be persuaded of this, this truth can start to live in their lives. Amen. Let me tell you this. And I I used this example this morning as well. Or yesterday. If I tell you there's a bomb just outside the door here. And you can't see it. But I take a picture of it. and 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 I show you the picture of that bomb. And say it's only a shell. That looks exactly like a bomb, but the inside is just full of dirt. There's no detonator, there's no explosives in the thing, but it looks just like a bomb. And I show you here with a picture from there that says, I can't move it, I don't want it to come close to it because maybe it will explode. I want to tell you, there's a bomb. And you see that. The moment you believe it, that bomb has got power in your life. The moment you believe it, that bomb, even if it's not real, will cause the way you will change the way you think. It will change the way you walk. It will change your speech. It will all of a sudden make you an evangelist of that bomb. Because you'll tell everybody. Watch out, check out, don't come near. It will it will cause you to spend some of your money on phone calls, calling the police, calling it will change your whole life. Because of the truth of that bomb. Now, if if it's a lie, even if it's a lie, it will influence your life. Now, how much more if I can come and portray the truth of the gospel to you and you can believe it? The moment you believe it, that that truth, not, not only by the power of faith, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, on top of the power of persuasion, makes that manifest in your life and brings forth a change of life. It gives us peace. It gives us peace in the times when our mind says we can never have peace. It gives us joy in times when we can never think of ever having joy. It makes us think different about people. You see somebody that's never accepted Jesus. You see God's prized possession because His value has been determined by Christ. You know, if somebody's lost and don't believe in Jesus, the fact that he's lost doesn't mean he's not valuable. If somebody steals my car and my car is worth 100,000 rand, after it's stolen, it's still worth 100,000. It hasn't lost its value because because it's lost. If you lose 100 rand, you know, somewhere, uh, or or a cell phone or something at a sport match, you're looking for it. The reason why you look for it is not because it's got no value. It's because it's got value. When the, the sheep's lost, why does the, the shepherd look for that sheep? Because it's valuable to him. So I want to tell you, every person that's never accepted Jesus, that is a sinner out there, that doesn't even love God, is valuable to God with the same value as every person that has believed in Christ. Amen. 
And all that we've got to do is proclaim what Christ has done concerning their salvation so they can come to their right mind and believe upon the work of the cross so that that work by the Spirit can have an influence in their life. Hallelujah! Isn't this a good gospel? Amen! God will never trust any other salvation plan but His own life with your life. You're too valuable. You don't take a big diamond like this you know, and uh, lock it in the car on the front seat, you know, at outside Peak and Pay. Because it's not a safe environment. The thing's going to get... No, I've locked it. But the thing you locked it in is not safe. I want to tell you, you've been locked up in the perfect sacrifice of the Lamb. You've been locked up inside that sacrifice forevermore. You are blessed by the, with the life of God. And that life of God is so stable in you with the stability of the resurrected Jesus. And as long as what He can stay, God in human form, you can be righteous free from your works. Hallelujah. And I tell you, when you believe that, you will find a change of works in your life. Our vision is not the change of works. Our vision is Christ. But the effect is a new life. Amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Verse 27. But I say unto you which year, love your enemies and do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smites you on the one cheek, offer the other. And to him that takes away your cloak, forbid not to take your coat also. Give to every man that asks of you. And of him that takes away your goods, ask them not again. And, you, and, and, and as you would that men should do to you, do also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? If for sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them who, from whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? Or what makes you special? For sinners also lend to sinners and do receive as much. Now if you read that without understanding the gospel, you'll be so condemned. You will say, oh Lord, you know, love your enemies and do good to them which hate you. You say, Lord Jesus, this is difficult, you know. You can maybe do it for a while, but after a while you're going to get fed up. You know, somebody can come and he can steal from you once and twice and three and four times and then you're going to get tired of this now. Somebody can use and abuse you. If somebody just comes and uses you for your money and uses you for all your things, you're going to get tired. After a while you're going to say, Mach is near, man. Alla wereld, this was nou genoeg. Genoeg is genoeg. Hierdie ou moet nou my leven uit. And that's what, now what God came and He did was, he, he brought forth something here that no man can do. And He says, do all these things. And if you cannot do them, you're not special. There's nothing about you. And then He came and He, and he went on and says, if you lend to them, uh, verse, uh, um, verse 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the offspring of the highest. So what it's actually saying is, a person who can do all these things is a child of God. Now, a child of God or a son of God, when in the Hebrew tradition, if you say you're a son of God or a child of God, you said, I am just like my father. So he said, if somebody can do all these things, he's just like God. He's just like God. So what does God do? Let's just read that on and confirm that. He says, um, but love your enemies and, hope, uh, and do good, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And you shall be children or offspring of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Now, look at the mercy of God. Judge not. Forgive. Give. Isn't that wonderful? Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Judge not. So what is he trying to say? He's trying to portray the character of God. That's what he's trying to say. Who is God? 
God is a God that if you lend from Him, He's not going to look, ask it back. If you steal from Him, He's going to give you more. I know a teaching that says if you steal from God, He's going to curse you. But what He says here, listen, now, now, let me tell you, when I say this, I can even feel in our hearts, you know, it says, can't be. It can't be. Tradition has taught us different. Now, I'm not saying go and steal from God. I'm not trying to say what bad things we must do towards God. What I'm trying to say and portray is the character of God. What is the character of God? But I say to you, love your enemies and do good to them which hate you and you will be like your heavenly Father. Love your enemies and do good to them which hate you. God loved His enemies and He did good to those who hate them by giving His Son and seeing value in a sinner. Isn't that an awesome Father? That loves us with such a great, great love. God blesses those that curse Him. Imagine. No, no, no. no. Let me tell you, as difficult as what it is for your religious mind, here it says... Bless those who curse you and you will be like your father. <laughs> Isn't this an awesome God that loves us so much? He came and He says, let me tell you something, the perfection of salvation. Here God comes. He loves people so much. He says, okay, I'll give my son. Then after giving my son, bringing the sacrifice, we're going to preach the gospel. Everyone who believes is going to receive the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Okay? So what do we receive? We receive the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Every one of them. So let's plant these bombs everywhere. In people. Everywhere. Let's plant them. We get, these, we get people, we call them bomb planters. They are called evangelists. And pastors and, and, and people that love the message of grace. And as people believe this gospel, the Holy Spirit goes into them everywhere, 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 everywhere. And then he says, well, I'm not going to let all these bombs be detonated right now into immortal life. Let's just wait a bit because there's other people that still need to hear. There's more people that are born every day that we can plant bombs. So let's plant this Holy Spirit bomb in everybody. And then one day there'll be a day when he detonates it. And we will explode into immortality. Isn't that beautiful? And while we are in this place, only having the first fruit of the Spirit in a weak body, the Bible says He makes intercession for us. Even if you don't know how to pray, even if you come to a place where you fall into something or feel weak, the Bible says the, the body of Christ is our intercession through the Holy Spirit. So, when I'm weak, God still looks at the body of Jesus, His resurrected body as my body, and deals with me according to that. And I live in an absolute peace, Waiting for the perfection of salvation in human flesh. I've already received it in my spirit. But in our flesh it will happen. I tell you. The more I study that, the more excitement comes to my mind for the return of Jesus. You know, when that explosion happens, even nature, even earth, will be made brand new. Brand new. Do you know why earth will be made new? Because we've been made of the dust of the earth. And when this explodes... Every earth molecule will, become in, will come into the same glory as what we are in. Isn't that? That is the salvation of God for us. Listen, when God decided to save us, He didn't settle for a mediocre plan. The Bible says that the heirs of salvation, the angels, look at us and they discover who God is. They look at, here God comes, they see God as a, bl a blazing fire and an awesome God. They're seeing holy, holy, holy. But when God manifests Himself in human flesh, saves sinners and all those things, they see attributes of God they've never known. And we are the object that God has chosen to do those things in. I tell you, you are special to God. You know the word love, agape, comes from the Hebrew word agape which means to breathe after. In other words, you breathe normally, you know. Then something happens that you stop to breathe and then you breathe later. 
It happened to me when I was in school and I saw a very beautiful girl. I was breathing normally. Me and my friends. And this very sexy girl came past. You know and we... <laughs> Did you see that? Her beauty caused me to lose my breath for a moment. That's the word agape. Agape. Where the love of God comes from. God looked at a sinner and lost his breath and said, the, the beauty of this person is so great, even in a sinner, that he said, I saw the beauty of that person that I skipped the breath to the point that I will give my son to save that person. Hallelujah. Isn't that the gospel? That I tell you now, in every one of us, in our hearts, when you hear this, there's a resonance. There's something in your spirit that says, this is true. An unconditional love that cannot be explained in human words. Let me tell you, that, that losing of breath is just a way in which God tried to explain how much He loves you. It cannot even capture the depths of His love. It's going to take eternity for us to discover how full of love God is. You know, sometimes we go through hard times. Like my one friend, I've said to you before, he, 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 he was born with polio. And then, um, it's, it's really a terrible story. His one leg, well, there was nothing wrong with his one leg. And then his other leg was crippled. And then they had to do an op on, on, on him. And they would take bone from the one leg and, and put it into the other leg. And then that leg would come right. But then he got an infection in the good leg and they had to amputate the good leg. And then the operation was not a success. And he's crippled. So he's got this artificial leg and now he walks with this. He's in a wheelchair and all those things. And then he started to hear the gospel of grace and he said, God, I believe you love me. You're going to give me a new leg. A brand new ones are going to grow out. So I said to him, pray for that. We can, whatever you want to ask God, ask him that. But if you get a leg, don't say, I'm blessed because I got a leg. And if you don't get a leg, don't say, I'm cursed because I don't have a leg. Because our definition of success is confined in the cross of Jesus Christ and in eternal salvation in Jesus, in the physical body of Christ in heaven. That's how we, where we define who we are. Not in what we... So he prayed, didn't get a leg. He got very upset. He says he doesn't believe in Jesus anymore. I said to him, listen, before you make statements like that, can't we just talk about this 500 years from now? So that we just get all the facts straight. Because we want to reason now with limited knowledge. Let's just see the fullness. When you get your glorified body, when you get all those things, let's talk about it then. And have the peace of God. He says, no, that's unfair. I said, it's only fair. It's only fair. There's some things you can't even scientifically prove, although it's facts today. And now you can't say, it, 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 because I cannot prove it scientifically, it doesn't exist. So in the same way, I want to tell you, there is a depth of God's love. That even if things don't look, look right today, we can rest our minds in the absolute fullness of of God. He loves us. He cares for us. He's washed away our sins. Our perfection is defined in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, the father had two sons. <coughs> uh, the, the prodigal, the, the, prodigal, the, 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 the uh, parable of the good father, actually. He had two sons. The one, the, the younger one came to the father and said, Father, please give me my inheritance. And he gave him. The Bible says he divided the inheritance between the two sons. We always think that the father gave the younger son his part. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, He 
divided the inheritance between the two. So when the father did that, where did the father stay? For the father didn't have his own place anymore. He was living with the sons. The sons were the owners and he lived with his sons. So everything belonged to the children. That's why the Bible says, it's the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. God is so sure of His salvation that He will give the kingdom to those whom He saved. That's how sure you can be of perfection in the Lamb. For those of you who haven't heard this, when you brought a lamb before the priest, the lamb had to be perfect, not the man, the lamb. He didn't even inspect the man. The man was never inspected. The lamb was inspected. Because the the, the perfection of the man was taken up in the perfection of the lamb. When Jesus came, he said, Behold the lamb of God. In other words, here God comes with a lamb. Normally a man would come with a lamb that he could produce by his own way of, you know, genetica, van skape, wat teel, en al dat type van goeders, nee? Kon hy een skapie produceer. But here God comes with a lamb that he could produce. That is blameless. And when he came with that lamb, that perfection of the lamb would belong to the man. And that is the Lamb of God, Lamb given by God for the human race. And that Lamb was slain, so the human race could walk away with the innocence of the Lamb. I want to tell you the name Jesus spells your innocence. The name Jesus spells your perfection. In spirit and in body in the return of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we can rest our minds in this absolute perfection of God. That's what God came to give us. That's what we, what, what we should fill our minds with. I tell you, when you fill your mind with this, you start to live in a different... Man, you begin in the Your peace is determined by different things. Your joy is determined by different things. You find a contentment inside your heart, that no earthly thing can, can add to. Never again will a BMW have the opportunity to define your blessing. Never again will the size of your house have the opportunity to define your blessing. In the Old Testament, earthly possessions could define how blessed we are. But in the New, it's impossible. This world doesn't possess the resources to define how blessed you are. So we cannot measure by these worldly things. It's impossible. We measure by spiritual things, heavenly things. We measure by the, by the glory of the resurrected Jesus, our blessedness, our holiness, and our righteousness. You know, the moment this becomes real to you, you find that I don't have to run after sin. I don't have to run after, well, I'm going to sacrifice my whole life, my time with my family, and everything that's good, my, my peace and everything to gain money, so that I can come become rich, so that I can feel I'm the blessed, blessed person of God. You don't need that anymore. All of a sudden, every thought that you have is born from this revelation of God. It's born from an absolute uh, 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 acknowledgement of the truth of what happened to you in Christ. This is called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not called the gospel of Bertie's efforts to be like God. The problem that I've seen is we have promoted behavior modification and started some drama schools. Acting like God. Some people only have 50 people in their drama school. Other people are very good. They've got a thousand people in their drama school. Teaching people how to act like God. Let me tell you, acting like God means nothing to God. What means something to God is if God is born into you. That's what means something to God. The new birth. That is what it's all about. God is a God of love. 1 Corinthians 13, we're not going to have time to read that. But 1 Corinthians 13 says, 
that love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not keep book of evil. God is love. That means God does not keep score of our sins. Amen. Because God is love. The Bible says, liefde is nie opgeblazen nie. Die liefde handel nie onwelvoeglik nie. That means that God in love will not act towards you in a way that's not consistent with integrity. God will never be a God of integrity if He all of a sudden decides to bring sickness over you to teach you something. The problem that we have, and I've seen it so, in so many times in the lives of people, is let's take the charismatic church. I know the charismatic church very well. We quote scripture, we, we quote verses, because, you know, because we don't want cancer. Let's take cancer, for instance, or poverty. You know, I don't want cancer and I don't want poverty. So now what happens is, I'm now going to quote scriptures, I'm going to live a holy life, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to do what's right, because, you know, I don't want cancer, because if I've got cancer, it means that I've got sin in my life, it means I've got small faith, it means that I've opened the door for the devil, and there's some curse I don't know about. So my holy life, every verse I read, every prayer I pray, is not born of God, but born of cancer. Cancer is the father of your holy life. <laughs> you're born of cancer, my friend. You're not born of God. Everything you do. Because I do it in fear. I find people that pay their tithes. Because if I don't pay my tithe, God cannot bless me. Let me tell you, fear of poverty is the father of your giving. Not God. You're born from fear. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, and we can read that. That's what, this is actually, I'm starting now with a message for tonight. John chapter 1 verse 12. You can check my messages. That's the first scripture. But we will not keep on going on too long. It says, But as many as received Him. Thank you, my Father, that we can know this awesome truth. Thank you, Lord, that we can have this knowledge of knowing Your unconditional love. We are so blessed people that we can have knowledge of this. And this knowledge belongs to all people. Thank you that we can preach this and share this and that you've empowered us to preach this to people. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And that above all, that we can believe it, my God. And that we can identify ourselves with the sacrifice of Jesus. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. To them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. I want to tell you, God's purpose is to, 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 to have children. Amen. He wants children. I want to explain it this way. I'm married now almost 16 years with Helena. And when I got married to her, it's wonderful. I got married to, I mean, I've got this wonderful wife and everything, but we had a vision. We also want children, isn't it? We wanted children. Now, my vision wasn't just that my wife will have children. My vision was that my wife will have my children. Because imagine if she's got children, but it's not mine. <laughs> I mean, she's got children. My man is swanger, yo. Maak was hier by die huisie. Wat maak jy saak, ons visie is ons om kinders te hee, ons visie is om vrug te draag. En die kind word geboren en die kind gaan school toe, en hy is nummer 1 in die atletiek. En hy word hoofseen in die laarskool. En hoofseen in die hoorskool. En is die wonderlikste ouwe, as jy my kind hee. Weet wat elke prestatie is vir my sleg. Want is jy my kind hee. Ek wil vir jy sê, dit is wat gebeur in die kerk vandag. Ons het gedink, God is stel net belang in vrug. Ek wil vir jy sê, Godse plan is nie net vrug in jou leven nie. Godse plan is dat hy in jou vrug kan dra. Dat jy kan swanger raak met die woord van sy liefde en dat dit een nieuwe leven in jou bring. Een goeie leven beteken vir God niks. 
Die Bijbel sê, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Met andere woorde, of jy die wet gehoorzaam en of jy die wet nie gehoorzaam nie. Means anything to God. Doesn't mean anything to God, but a new life in Christ. That's what means something to God. Jou heilige lewe tel geen punte vir God nie. Jou heilige lewe tel net soveel, jou heilige lewe as gevolg van jou effort om God na te aap, beteken net soveel vir God, as een ou wat loop en moor. It means nothing to God. Die Bijbel sê so, aan elkeen wat Christus aangeneem het. Hy word aan beteken, it means to those that grab the hold of the revelation of the gospel, with a purpose to use it. Listen to me, that is, I wish you can just hear every word I say. It is, to grab a hold of Christ with a purpose to use it. So, he became a human being. I grab a hold of that. That means he's my representative. As righteous as what he is, I am. And I use it today. I, I'm persuaded that in my life, my mind, my, my belief system is all wrapped around the fact that as his righteousness is truly mine. That's using it now. Okay? I'm making a use of it. The life that comes forth from that, the Bible says, they have the right to be called the sons of God. If you have never grabbed the hold of Christ, you've grabbed the hold of Moses, or you've grabbed the hold of some good behavior modification teaching, and that has changed your life, and you've got this brand new life, I tell you, you don't have the right to call yourself born of God. I'm only reading John chapter 1 verse 12. It says not to them. He says, listen, he says, to everyone who grabbed the hold of Christ, he's given the right and the authority to call yourself the offspring of God. Not to them. Not to them who is born of the will of man or the will of the flesh or blood, but they that are born or originates from God. So you can have a new life born from willpower. If you come with your willpower and live your holy life in fear for hell, or you come with your willpower and you live your holy life because of church structures and, 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 and something that's forced on you, you don't have the authority given to you by God to claim that you're the offspring of God. Because what's born in you is born from human willpower. Listen, what did the Pharisees believe? The Pharisees believed in the Old Testament. They believe you've got to love your neighbor. They believe you've got to give. They believe you've got to live a holy life. They believe you should not be in fornication and lust. They believe you should not steal. And they preached that. They preached a good life. They preached a very good message. In many churches, if a Pharisee would stand up today and he would preach a message today. Listen, the word Pharisee became a curse word. But the word Pharisee back then wasn't a curse word. It was predikant in vandagse dag. Of pastoor. It was somebody that's learned in the scriptures and dedicated his whole life to the Bible. To live exactly according to it and to study it out, waiting for the Messiah. To teach people when the Messiah will come so that people can be saved. And they were teaching behavior modification teachings. You know, those Pharisees, Jesus said the Pharisees, they evangelized. The Bible says, Jesus said to them, you go over land and sea to make one disciple. Then Jesus said something very very hard. He said, and you make him twice as much a son of hell as what you are yourself. Because those people repented, believed what the Pharisees said, and lived the holy life, but Jesus said, born from Satan. I want to tell you, God's biggest desire is not for you just to bear fruit. God's biggest desire is to be intimate with you in the love of God, and that a new life will get born out of that. Anything else means nothing to God. I don't want any holy thing in my life that does not originate from the revelation of this truth of God's grace to the human race, where He influenced us through the human Jesus.
Romans chapter 7, I, I basically read that every Sunday, but let me read it again. The biggest thing in churches, as long as what you bear fruit, whoever made you pregnant doesn't matter. As long as what you bear fruit and look good. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If God believes something and, and you believe it, you're in majority. You're in the majority. Doesn't matter who disagrees with you. Doesn't matter who says what. If God says, let me tell you, God's desire is for you to have the fruit of God in your life. The whole New Testament thing, when God made man, He made Adam with a purpose to know, think, act like God, originating from God's Spirit inside Him. Anything else that would be... Listen, if my son, let me give this, if my son comes to me and he greets me after school, and he comes, he hugs me, kisses me. In high school, he still kisses his dad. Amen. So, if he comes and he kisses me, gives me a hug... And he does it because he's afraid of me. That I'll be angry with him if I don't do it. What does it mean to me? He can just leave it. So he does the right thing, but he's born out of fear. He's not born out of who the Father is. And that's what it means to be born of God. Many people are born again, but not born of God. My goodness. You were a sinner. You realized how hot hell is. And you decided to live a new life. <laughs> and now you live a new life because you've heard a message. I saw this guy on TV. He's got a big thing scrolling at the, at the bottom there. Remember, hell has got no fire escape. As he earns, as he earns, bro. Now, I don't say it's not true. It is true. But I don't want, to, I want that to be my motivating, the motivating factor in my life, for a holy life. Because there's something else that can bear fruit in me. The person of God can bear fruit in me. God can come and live in me. That is the whole thing. So if my son comes and he loves me, because he says, man, what my father, who my father is, produces this in me that I want to hug him and kiss him. That means something to me. But if I do it out of fear, what does it mean? It means nothing. Man. Nothing, nothing, nothing. In relationship, imagine your husband or wife stays with you. She says, listen, I don't actually want to be with you. I want to be with somebody else. But I'm just going to keep to the scriptures. Man, I, I want to say you, you, you're almost like already divorced. It's dead. That's not what was... What was intended. The intent was that love, out of love, unity will be formed. But we've come to God and we, we, we see so many things born out of fear. Giving out of fear. Praying out of fear. Talking to God because we must not just talk to Him. It's like my sister wrote that thing and said, My daddy, you know, uh, um, he's such a good daddy. I had a coloring in book. And, and I loved it so much, but he took it away because he says, I don't spend enough time with him. And after he took it away, now I can sit there to talk to him. I don't know what to say, but at least I'm there. I mean, what does that mean? It means nothing. In the same way, I want to tell you, that God has got a desire that, you can, that he can bear fruit inside you. And we end off with Romans 7 verse 1. He says... <clears throat> You know, uh, know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as what he lives. For the woman which has an husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as what he lives. But if the husband be dead, she's loosed from the law of her husband. So, then if while her husband lives, she be married to another, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she's free from the law, so that she be no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, now this is what, he doesn't want to talk about marriage. 
He wants to talk about us and Christ. And this is what he says. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Jesus. So when Jesus died, our marriage to the law died. Okay. That we should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. Why? That we should bring forth fruit unto God. So where must our fruit come from? Intimacy with? Not Moses, man. Moses was always bearing fruit in us. Sin and good works. If you read the rest, you'll see that the law produces sin in you as well. As you try, Paul says, the good I want to do, talking about under the law, I cannot do. And the bad that I don't want to do, that I find I do under the law. But here he comes, clearly. And he says that, go, the, the, that, the, that thing is over. We can now be married to Christ. So what, what, how should we see the world out there? We should see the world out there as people ready to get married to Jesus. But what happens is, we dress the law message up in the coat of Jesus Christ. Then people get married again to that law message. And it still produces the, the, the bad fruit. And they get tired. So there's a new life for you. The life of Jesus. Bearing His fruit in you. Let's not be intimate with anything else but Jesus Christ. It's called adultery. <laughs> but we are one with Christ. He's our husband. And we stick to Him. And He will bear His fruit in us. And His fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, patience, meekness, temperance, faith. That's the fruit of this gospel. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Father, I want to thank You for loving us with such a deep love. I want to thank You, Lord, for every person that is here, that is so precious to You. Lord, when You look to everyone here, You just see a person, even when they were in sin, that You breathed after. And was so big in You that You were willing to give Your Son to save them. So that we can believe this gospel today. Father, I pray for every person that is here. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that is over them right now. In Jesus' mighty name. I thank you that you, you answer every question. You bring freedom to every person. You bring deliverance to every person where they've been unified with something else that bears fruit in them. Thank you, Lord, that our vision is not not to have fruit, but to have the fruit of God. And that we will not be satisfied with anything but the fruit of God. Like a woman that cannot have children, there's anxiety in her, there's a desire inside her for her purpose, and that is to have children and multiply. I thank you, Lord, that we are like that. We, we, our life is intimacy with Christ to the extent of the fruit of Christ in our lives. And the last fruit will be an immortal body in Jesus Christ. Thank you for that, my Father. Thank you that we can understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can be, be at absolute peace in the safety of the sacrifice of the Lamb. That we can be at absolute peace in the glory of the Almighty God. Thank you, my Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.